Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. I'm Willoughby Dobbs, a filmmaker in the D.C. area, and with me is... I'm Hai Chen Bui, a pop culture journalist in D.C. And I am Ani Crittenton, associate editor at The Tracking Board, and I am sick once again this week. I'm sick, too. I'm I, so... I got sick an hour after we, we did our podcast last week. This is crazy. I'm the only one who's not sick. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> Sure. It'll be fun, guys. I got my flu shot even this year. I don't usually get my flu shot, and I haven't gotten sick then either. But now, I have double never, immunity. I think I've never had a flu shot. Well, if you get one now, it might like actually make you sick because you haven't had yeah, one. Yeah, it'll kill me. <laughs> Anyways, um, it's winter, it's December, and it's the end of 2016, meaning it's time for our 2016 year-end wrap-up. We're going to be talking about the top five things that we loved in 2016, pop culture-wise. Movies, TV shows, music, um, anything else that has to do with the wonderful pop culture landscape that we've had. Um, 2016 has been a rough one, but, you know, there have been some surprising gems this year, um, as I realized as I was making my list for this episode, and it ended up being a lot longer than I intentioned. Did either of you guys uh, make your list and uh, check it twice? <laughs> I definitely did. Christmas is two weeks, guys. It's crazy. Yay. I'm so ready. As as you guys can tell from our last episode, Anya is definitely ready from Christmas. Yeah, she's been ready since last Christmas. So yeah. we are going to go be going around and talking about our top five for 2016. Um, I was going to say HT, you should go first because okay, you have. Yeah. Okay. This is. A huge asterisk on uh, top five for HD. I kind of broke. She's got categories. I broke my own rules. I broke our own rules. She has rules. top five categories. Yes. It's crazy. I couldn't pick top five things. I wanted to mention all of the great, diverse works of art that we had this year. But you'll notice that Willoughby and I were able to pick five. You know, so. this makes up for all the times in our really likes when I only had one really like and both of you had two or three. You could have had two. Yeah, no one was stopping you. That's why I'm making up for it now. So, (sighs) my top five prepared. I have like fancy titles for each of these categories. Oh my god. Okay. So, number one, successful nostalgia vehicles. Under this goes. (laughs) Oh my god. This is gonna be absurd. I'm so ready. Sing Street, which was a surprisingly great movie from um oh shoot i forgot his name john carney john carney once director and the director of begin again um one of which is a great movie the other one which is all right but sing street is a return return to form for him and it's great it's musical it's so fun um and it's set in the 80s and about and is a basically love letter to all the 80s bands and glam rock and pop of that time and then stranger things the also 80s love letter um, from Netflix, which I think has kind of um, been overhyped at this point. But if you go back to the series, it's still a genuinely good show with great characters, a great performance from Winona Ryder, and a good homage to the 80s that doesn't go into cringy um, copycatting. It's making a lot of people's like best TV of the year lists. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I still people think still think highly of it. Yeah, I yeah. There's so. no reason to like downgrade it. I didn't downgrade it. I'm just saying. Yeah, well, you. Uh, it's I feel no like there are some people here. who are. So there's I just no wanted to mention it again. Okay. Anyways, second category. 
absurdist indie comedies, The Lobster, Swiss Army Man, and Atlanta, all of which are so good and so surprising. I remember when I first talked about The Lobster, I was really um, traumatized by it, but it was a genuinely great and unexpected movie and uh, gorgeous and just kind of subdued, but very visceral at the same time. It's definitely my top, like in my top five of the year movies. Swiss Army Man was also great, but absurdist in the way that it just had no filter and just kind of, it it really leaned into its absurdity. It was so ridiculous. ridiculous. Have you seen it yet? I've not. It is. It's definitely a movie that you should watch. So good. While drinking with a bunch of people. Um, It's an experience is all I will say. It is. It's it's more of an experience than a movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and it's by two music video directors too um, the directors of Turn Down For What so it, it makes sense that they will make this kind of movie and it has a message at first but then you, it, it doesn't really it kind of just throws it by the wayside and you're like you know what we're just making a movie about farting it really just makes you ask the question what the fuck <laughs> yep um, and then Atlanta of course which is uh, Donald Glover's wonderful um, FX show it grew on me at first I didn't really know what to think of it but then there was that really great episode that was took place all within one just talk show with fake advertisements and i was like okay this is the surreal comedy that i was waiting for third category lush subversive genre pieces lush lush wow what a what word. An adjective i know i really i was really proud of this word <laughs> so, i mean they're pretty great bath bombs the handmaiden westworld and Love and Friendship. Really? Westworld? Westworld also grew on me. I was intrigued by it for a lot of the first couple episodes, and it did really lose itself in its sort of really high concept theses. I didn't know what I was trying to say. I don't think it knew what I was trying to say, but I think that it pulled it off really well. And it kind of didn't go with the whole message of uh, meta-commentary on the Game of Thrones and rape culture and the sexism and brutality that HBO shows to kind of purvey, but I think it had a lot of interesting things to say, if not a lot of good answers for it. And you know what? It kind of gave me lost feelings sometimes. And whenever a show gives me like lost lost feelings, it will kind of just it'll it'll get my heart. And you I all liked know how it we feel as about a lost. Pro- mm-hmm. as a production achievement. I thought the fact that they shot in the desert in the re- in the West or in I think they maybe in, in Italy for like the spaghetti western homage. Mm-hmm. All I know is that technically it looked beautiful. I think this, they they really lost the story a couple of times. Yeah, they did. And the whole just like some of the spoiler aspects that we don't have to get into right now just kind of got me like really like. And it might be because I I watched I listened to a lot of recap I listened to like a, a recap show mm-hmm. and kept theorizing and all their theories came came true mm-hmm. and so I almost feel like I was spoiled. Yeah, because like the th- the theories were really on the nose, and I was like, oh, now I don't really. I mean, I like I like when they pulled it off. Like the mm-hmm. reveal of everything was really cool, but mm-hmm. like because I knew because I quote unquote knew what was happening, I was kind of like, oh okay. I kind of yeah. wanted like one more wrench in the system. I've heard a lot more. A lot of people criticize it for, or rather, like the fandom of the show for just kind of ruining it with their. Um, incessant theories and stuff like that but then like 
I feel like theorizing is part of the reasons why I love the shows that I love. Lost, a majority of the reasons that I really love Lost was because I would read like 20 page recaps every every week and some of them were ridiculous, some of them were on point and it just kind of, it made me feel like I was participating in a show. Westworld, it feels less like participation, more just kind of you are putting the puzzle pieces together and like the puzzle pieces don't entirely fit and it's kind yeah. of a hot mess of a puzzle. But... I'm intrigued by it still. Um, if not, if I don't entirely trust it, I still... Part of, part of me wishes I didn't listen to any re- recap mm-hmm. podcasts or read any recaps and just go in blind. Because mm-hmm. I wanted to... I, I wish I knew what that experience was. Mm-hmm. To be like, oh, like, this is a reveal. Like, oh my god! Yeah. Um, uh, but, I mean, I'm like, I think they'll course correct for season two. Because everyone keeps talking about it being like, this was just the prologue. And yeah. I'm like, that's a kind long of, prologue. Yeah. But, like, yeah. at the same time, I'm one who's a defender of spoilers, rather. Well, not a defender, but I, I feel like in this case, the spoilers and the twist didn't entirely ruin the show for me. It was just mm-hmm. part of the experience of watching it. It didn't ruin the show, but... It just seemed really odd that everybody's theory came true. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, like this is I'm not sure how to feel about it. What came true? Um, okay, yeah. spoilers, spoilers for Westworld season one. I'm excited because I'm never gonna watch it. Jeffrey Wright's character was a robot. He yep. was the robot uh, clone of Anthony Hopkins' dead partner, and so ba- so basically. Anthony Hopkins had a partner in Westworld. He died, and then he's like, I'm going to make a clone robot out of you. And so he did that, and then wiped his memory so he didn't know who he was. And then the, in episode 8, there was a big reveal about who, who Jeffrey Wright's character was. Um, and then in episode 10, it was revealed who, who, who he was a clone of. Um, Jimmy Simpson's character uh, mm-hmm. and Ed Harris are the same character. Uh, ah, taking place I saw a over, tweet about that. Mm-hmm. Taking place over... Uh, so basically, there's two timelines going on, and uh, F. Rachel Wood's character Dolores is having flashbacks to Jimmy Simpson's character while she's like in, in real time, like going through the same locations, but having like these weird memory flashes. So mm-hmm. we see basically these two stories like co- co- coinciding with each other until Ed Harris meets Dolores again at in in this church and reveals the whole like. Um, uh, whole fact that uh, she, he was uh, William, which is Jimmy Simpson's character, at the, um, and it's like, and the thing is, like, people predicted Jeffrey Wright was a robot, the two timelines, and that Ed Harris was uh, Jimmy Simpson, and that, and there was even the theory that Bernard, uh, Jeffrey Wright's character, was um, Anthony Hopkins' partner, uh, like his human version. So I'm just like. That's a lot of theories to get right, like, pretty early on in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, but... No, like, I understand that criticism. I don't, I don't really mind it, because I'm fine with, like, fan participation in culture. Yeah. And I wonder, I feel like... It just seemed too... It's, too too correct. Yeah, but know. also kind of... It has this sort of other level to Westworld in that I feel like Westworld is sort of this um, epitome of fan culture in general. It's kind of like this sort of mini representation of it. So I feel like it's very fitting that everyone sort guessed all these twists at the same time. And it kind of goes into whatever legacy that Westworld will leave. Um, So I don't know. It's, it's an intriguing show for me. I don't know if it will hold up. 
Um, but I I enjoyed it while I watched it. Yeah. Anyways, continuing Sorry, with my I, categories. I um, oops. I <clears throat> my wrong thing. Okay. <coughs> oh, yeah. So I had The Handmaiden, which I talked about before, a wonderfully subversive gothic romance, which is, like, my favorite things, and uh, a lesbian relationship, but also gorgeously shot. Um, I've talked about it enough. Love and Friendship, which we've also talked about before, which is just a great Jane Austen film. I did not expect it to be that satirical, and I have viewed Jane Austen in a completely different way now. Um, As you should, because Jane Austen is hilarious, and people need to realize that more. Like, her humor is so good. Yeah, Love and Friendship really turned it around for me in making me realize that she's a really great satirist. You should reread her main novels, because I think they'll read funnier to you now, because, like, she has a lot of satire even in her main novels. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like Emma and, and so forth. Um, okay, category number four, cultural homages. Uh, Moana, Kubo and the Two Strings, um, and then Utare Karu's uh, album Phantom, and Beyonce's Lemonade, the short film and the album. More so the short film. Um, but yeah, I I saw Moana this weekend, and I loved it so much. It felt like this wonderful again homage to this culture um and it was done respectfully and right and i felt like that was the case also for kubo and the two strings another wonderful animated movie from this year that i feel like i hope will get an oscar um nod i heard that like it might get shut out at the oscars which would be terrible um but it's also wonderful homage to like japanese culture despite like not a lot of people behind the scenes being japanese yeah. and it being an original story it does so well in capturing all those elements of Japanese mythology. Um, Phantom, which is Itarikara's album, is um, her first fully Japanese album, and it's like a, um, it's a rep- what's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to say homage again because I have used it so many times. Not representation. It's a um, I guess I'll just say homage again because I can't think of another word. It's an homage to her mother who. Uh, passed away from suicide three years ago um, and she wanted this album to be entirely in Japanese because when she wrote songs before she would use English language to kind of like hide the meanings of her true um, message and so here she wanted to be the most uniquely Japanese album possible and it really comes across that way um, and Lemonade which was just a wonderfully timely piece and really incisive um, cultural work about with Black Lives Matter, um, women, uh, black women's struggle, and um, Beyonce's own personal um, story and struggle with Jay Z's affair and stuff like that. At first, it does feel a little bit tabloidy when you watch it, but I did really like that she pulled in her own personal experiences and made it universal. Ah, fifth category, last one, the supers. This has meant. This has not been a great year for superhero movies, but I do want to remind everyone that Captain America Civil War came out earlier this year, (laughs) and it was great, and we need to give a shout out to that, because it was one of the best, the best superhero movie of the year, probably. I have not seen Doctor Strange yet, so I cannot include it in Mm, here. I mean, Deadpool also came out this year. Oh yeah, I forgot about Deadpool, but I was kind of... Deadpool on rewatch diminishes. I had mixed feelings about Deadpool. I did not feel like... Yeah, it's not my favorite either, but I feel like a lot of people still really love it. And oh, no. I liked it when I year. saw it. I liked it when I saw it, but I watched it on HBO, and I'm like, you know what? These jokes, it's kind of like a Family Guy episode. It rings a little hollow. Old. Yeah. Get, like, if 
if when you rewatch it and you see it multiple times, you kind of like see the the holes and everything. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah. See, yeah, and I I still I think Civil <clears throat> War is still the best of the year, but I think Civil War has also gotten weaker with time. Mm. It still doesn't hold up as well as Winter Soldier, but I did I do think that it accomplished so much um, considering yeah, like how much it had to I mean, do. Yeah. Um, and then Supergirl, which really surprised me this season, but is probably the best superhero show on TV right now. Yeah, let's um, talk about the fact that HJ wasn't even watching Supergirl last season, <laughs> and then we got her to watch it because we it was on Netflix, and now she's their biggest fan. Supergirl season two is Supergirl. amazing. Great. Yeah, and it has a really great storyline um, with uh, Alex, uh, Kara's sister, coming out, and like it's been a really great season for representation and stuff. So, those are my five categories. I hope... I hope you guys enjoyed that and my titles for each one. I, the I, I like the titles great. a lot. Yeah, yeah, I, I can't get over great. the fact that you used Lush and Westworld in the same, like, breath. <laughs> <laughs> I was really proud of Lush. I thought it really encapsulated all of the movies and um, items in that category. Because, like, Westworld, Handmaiden was very lush and gorgeous. Um, Love and Friendship, kind of lush, in a way. It has- and that's the other thing, is that... Those three, I would never put Westworld on the same stage as Love and Friendship. Which is why I have lush, subversive genre, genre <laughs> movies slash content. Your Hi. titles make it. HC, can you, you can you run Netflix's uh, uh, category? <gasps> that should uh, be my new job. Writing? <laughs> You'd be perfect at that. I would be great at it. Okay. People would be, if people would get confused, it'd be really funny. They'd be like, lush subversive genres. <laughs> it would, like, just change their whole world. Would... Side note, have you guys seen the, the meme where it's, like, they do, like, uh, movies, like, Netflix titles, and one of them is, like, Rachel McAdams is a supportive wife or lover yes. of, a, of a time traveler. Yes. yes. And it's, like, it, it, and, like, time traveler's wife. Uh, about time. Doctor Strange. About time. And there was one more. Oh shoot! Is there another one? I think those are the only three. Those are the only three, yeah. yeah. But when will she learn? Yeah. All right, um, Anya, why don't you go next? Okay, um, mine are somewhat more like abstract in concept than yours. <laughs> um, we went the exact opposite. We went the very exact opposite directions. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, I have mine in a specific order. So the first one is only sort of latterly related to pop culture, but it was so big for me this year that, like, I'd be remiss not to have it be one of my five. Um, And that would be Hillary Clinton and the election, um, which I think had a big impact on pop culture. Um, But even more so, just Hillary Clinton this year had a huge impact on me um, and how involved I got in the election. And, you know, I'm still grappling with it, but, like, all the good that came of it and just being proactive and kind of having a voice in the election. Um, Pop culture-wise, I mean, I went to that female stand-up comedy special in support of Hillary, which was really great. Um, And a lot of people, like, uh, Tig Notaro was there and Fortune um, and Retta. So, you know, that was a really big thing for me this year. And so while I can't really say that I, like, love it because of how it turned out, I kind of... I'm appreciative of the experience that I had in getting involved. So, um, my second one is Comic-Con this year because it finally sort of clicked and went right for me, I guess. Yeah, because 
you've, you've said in the past you don't really like San Diego Comic Con. Yeah, you're a bigger fan yeah. of um, Disney's D23. Yeah, I'm. I yeah, I still love D23 more, but like Comic Con is just like a lot for me. Like, it's just overwhelming to the point where it's overwhelming, like where it's not worth it, really. And so this year I realized you can skip all the big stuff. Like, you don't need to go to Hall H and see all the big panels. They're going to be online, and the lines aren't worth it, and the crowds aren't worth it. And you can just do the things that you really love. And so, like, I went to the Drunk History panel, and I went to the Good Place panel, and, like, I saw all the smaller things. I, you know, the biggest thing for me at Comic-Con was the American Gods panel and then meeting Brian Fuller twice. Insane. I'm so I know. And you went like, to a CW. You, you went to a CW. And you CW met party. Joss Whedon, my boy. I know. I met Joss. I met lots of people from like the CW. I met Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> that would be, that'd oh. be funny. <laughs> I met so many CW. I met like all of like the Flash cast and most of the Supergirl cast and some of the Arrow cast and Legends and so cool. It's yeah. It was a fun party. It was <laughs> a really fun party. Um, so you know, I figured out that Comic Con is just like. Take it easy. <laughs> I met Matt Fraction, which was super great. It was That's definitely awesome. one of the highlights. Oh, my God. Yeah, Matt Fraction. Um, we did sign language together, oh. which was really oh, nice. Oh, so cool. That's so sweet. Because um, my mom's deaf. So oh, I didn't know that. Hawkeye. I thought you guys knew that. Yeah, um, yeah my mom is deaf, so, like, Hawkeye being deaf was a big thing for me, and so I told Matt Fraction that, and, like, mm. we did sign language together, and it was very nice. Oh. Um, so, you know, I Comic-Con was good for me this year because I – made it smaller basically you just didn't that's how you do it exactly and like the smaller panels are worth like the drunk history panel was like the room was like a third of the way full like there were so many empty seats so i was i felt kind of bad but like it was so much fun and i love that show did so had they done the, the hamilton drunk history at that point um had they filmed it you mean yeah like had they um, talked about it they mentioned in the panel that Lynn was going to be on the show, yeah. Oh, okay, so they had... I don't know if they had, like, filmed it yet, or if they had just, like, secured... I don't... I can't remember now. I don't think he was, because then I remember that night, <laughs> the day he did it, he, like, drunk called all his friends, and he was tweeting about it afterwards, and I think yeah. it was after they announced it at Comic-Con. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, but we found out that he was going to be on it at Comic-Con. Um, yeah. So yeah, so Comic-Con was good this year because I just focused on what I liked, and American Gods was the big thing, and I'm so excited for that show, and I can't wait. Now I'm seeing Neil Gaiman in March. <gasps> what? Because, yeah, he's doing, um, it was actually really funny, the week of the election, I saw an advertisement that Neil Gaiman was going to be doing, like, a lecture and, like, a reading and a Q&A at a theater out here, and, like, I was feeling so down, obviously, mm-hmm. and then I saw that, and I, like bought tickets immediately cool and that's because like right, right around the time american gods comes out too yeah and it's like three days after my birthday so it's my birthday present to myself Aww. but neil gaiman is one of my favorite people in the entire world i love it so like yeah getting to go see him in march i'm so excited i'm so, so yeah. for you oh, i'm i'm jealous i should move out to california man <laughs> um it has its ups and downs yeah this is definitely one of the ups um you should just come out and march for it. I'm sure tickets are still available. Maybe I will do that. That actually sounds like a good idea. I have some vacation. You have a place to stay. <gasps> we can drive down together. 
TBD. All right. I'll link you to the page. Yeah, please do. Um, <laughs> all right. So third thing um, is animation. So this year has been a good year in animation. HT listed a couple titles already. Moana, Kubo is so great. Um, Zootopia, I still think is probably the best animated film of the year, at least in terms of its like cleverness. Um, I'm really curious about Zootopia versus Moana at the Oscars. Can I say, after seeing Moana yesterday, it kind of, or two days ago, it kind of beat Zootopia for me. That's interesting. I think Moana is a, like a prettier film, and mm-hmm. I really, and the music is really good, and I love Moana as a character, but mm-hmm. I still think Zootopia does more interesting things with its story. I think this is where we diverge, Anya, because you know, we, we talked about this in our chat earlier, but we kind of, Anya and I have very similar tastes, and we finally realized why they diverge a little bit, is that I am a really big fan of character over, like, plot and narrative sometimes, and Anya is a big narrative girl. So I think... I like, like stories. Yeah. And I like production. Yes. I like... Yeah, I like we're, the, we're the perfect trio. The whole like trio the of, of movies. movies. I, like, I like the cinematography and the editing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and I like the story. Moana, like, the characters touched me so much. Um, I... I, when I was in the first, like, two minutes of the first song, I started crying because I was like... Same. I was crying throughout, like, all of Moana. It, I just, like, I felt that Disney magic, and I haven't felt that way, um, not even in Frozen or Tangled, which I both, I love both of those movies. You love Tangled. I love Tangled, but I felt, like, a surge of emotions I hadn't felt in a while while watching a Disney movie, and it really, it captivated me in a way that Zootopia, while I really love its cleverness and its narrative and its message... Um, Zootopia didn't. I mean, I think Moana gets to the heart more. I mm-hmm. just think Zootopia is the smarter film. I agree I with that. Um, although, I like Moana's ending a lot. The Moana ending actually reminded me of Kubo, mm-hmm. in that the villain wasn't, like, punished at the end, and the villain... Yeah, there wasn't actually... really a villain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, in Kubo, there sort of was. Yeah. There was a villain, there was in a the villain way they, they handled so, but... the villain was... Yeah was what I wasn't expecting. Yeah, yeah. Same. That was the one part of the film that I was not, I did not see coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a little different because like Kubo and they sort of just wiped his memory almost, it mm-hmm. seemed. Yeah. Whereas like in Moana, it actually was the good guy mm-hmm. and they had been like transformed. Spoilers. And, like, didn't know themselves. Oops. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. It's Hopefully fine. by now you've seen these movies, audience. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so animation, I think it's just been a good year, but I've also like a personal like journey with animation and that like I've always loved animation obviously I'm a Disney girl Mm -hmm. um but like I feel like this year I've really like started to like teach myself more about it and I've written a few articles on it and it's just become it's become like a little passion project for me in that I want it to become a huge focus in my like entertainment journalism career I guess like I want animation to be a thing for me and I want people to start thinking about animation differently that makes me really happy Anya because I, I had yeah. a similar sort of animation um, back in college, just like, I wouldn't say phase, but like a passion for it in terms of like, yeah. I really wanted to write just about animation because I felt like it was underappreciated. I think even in like elementary school, I wanted to become an animator. And there's just so many facets and like potentials for storytelling in it that I yeah. think haven't been even been explored yet or yeah. just not appreciated. So Exactly. So animation is big for me this year and I hope it's big going forward. I think... We need to change the way people think about it. Um, 
So yeah, so that's my third one. Um, so my last two are two specific titles that I think have had the biggest pop cultural impact on me this year. Um, so the first one we've talked about a lot, so I'll just do it briefly, is that I saw Hamilton. Um, it's been over a year now since I first heard the soundtrack. Um, it's been several years since I knew about the project and was excited for it. And I saw it in June with the original cast, and it still blows my mind. Like, I think about it, and it still, like, completely blows me away. I can't believe what that show was able to accomplish. Um, so, yeah, so seeing Hamilton this year was huge. Um, and then my last one only happened last night, but it's already huge. Um, <coughs> La La Land has been the film I've been anticipating the most this year. I saw it last night. It is my favorite film of the year. Hands down. It is my favorite film of the year. Um, it is breathtaking. It's devastating. It's gorgeous. It's everything good filmmaking should be. Um, I'm definitely the target audience. I love <laughs> I love musicals, like, first off. And then I love really romantic films that kind of sweep you away and just kind of, like, make you feel like you're floating on air. And that's what this film does. Like, I love Singing in the Rain. I love the artist. So this film is kind of in vain of those kind of films. Um so I recognize I recognize some of the criticisms. Like, it is another film about Hollywood. Um, I think it does more interesting things in being about Hollywood. Um, it also, you know, it has two white leads. They don't necessarily need to be white. Um, although Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling are really great. They have super great charisma and chemistry. Um, and I recognize those things. But I also recognize the fact that this movie was sort of, like, made for me. Made for Anya. Um, yeah, and it's it's so beautiful. I I want to live in this film. Like, it was one of those films where you, it ended and I didn't want to, like, talk to anyone afterwards because it would, like, break kind of how I was feeling. Like, I'd have to, like, acknowledge that I had to go back to the real world. Mm. And La La Land just, like, I cannot say enough good things. It's so in- – it does really interesting things with the story and its characters. Me and Sebastian are really interesting and they make really um, – fascinating choices with them as characters um and i think it says a lot i read a review the other day that said like well land is really pretty but it doesn't have much to say and i like couldn't disagree more it has a lot to say actually um so yeah so i think definitely by far as repetitive as this is moonlight and la la land are the best films of the year and i want them to sweep and none for manchester by the sea bye I have not seen Manchester by the Sea yet. Most of the I won't. I don't really want to see it because I'm sure we talked about uh, Casey Affleck and his whole um, yeah. sexual harassment. I don't want to see it. I also just don't need to see another film about like a New England angsty white guy. Yeah. Yeah. Will be smiles because he is a New England white guy, <laughs> but he's not an angsty white guy. <laughs> I've had angst in the past. Um, we all have. Um, but yeah, so I'm. Um, yeah, I want to talk about La La Land forever, basically. I am in love with this film. It's so gorgeous. And the music is great. I'm so glad. yeah, that's I'm my last you one. Loved it. I'm I'm excited to see it. Um, I know like I've had like the criticisms that you've basically brought up are the ones that I've kind of been talking about, even though I haven't seen the movie yet. It's what I've been noticing in terms yeah. of like it's Oscar talk, but I'm still excited to see it, despite, like, my reservations. I just, I also love musicals. Um, I love Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling, and I am 
swept away whenever I see the trailers for it. So yeah, and the way it's made, like speaking of like Willoughby's part of the trio, like the production of the film is out of this world. That's what I'm most excited about La La Land is how gorgeous it looks. Yeah, um, I'm excited to once you guys see it, I'm excited to talk about like the ending especially um this is weird but don't spoil yourself for this film okay it's really good not to Wasn't go gonna. In, or going <laughs> yeah. in knowing the ending because i had no idea i've been better about not spoiling myself for things except for maybe yeah. Westworld, but it was i was all over the place anyways and i was behind so whatever so yeah i'm very excited to talk about this film with you guys yay all right willoughby it's your turn it is my turn um <laughs> So I don't have any categories or anything. I've cho- I've chosen a wide variety of things, but uh, they're things that you a lot of you guys have already talked about. <laughs> so I'm, I'll just go. Uh, they're, they're more specific um, items. So the first one I have is the Captain America Civil War airport scene. Um, I think that that is. Wow, I mean, so I love, specific. I love it. <laughs> I love the movie. I love the movie as a whole, but I think the airport scene was the most fun I've had in a movie theater in a really long, long time. Maybe since, I'd say Force Awakens, even though it's been a year, but, like, like there was something about those 14, 15 minutes that were just so fun and so great. It's almost the culmination of the past 14 movies coming <laughs> together because you've got all these characters that have been in this universe and yeah, they're fighting, but they're not really fighting. Like they're just kind of holding each other back while, you know, it's the it's the protagonist versus the antagonist story where you know there's a goal that needs to be achieved, which is getting Bucky and Cap out of the um, out of the airport. And there's people who want that to happen. There's people who don't want that to happen. But they're not gonna they're not killing each other over it. It's not Superman versus Batman. They're not gonna try and destroy each other <laughs> for no they're reason. Just, they're just they're just trying to 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 keep it as, as, I guess, PG as possible. You know what I'm talking about? Where, yes. like, a lot, of the, a lot of their banter is, like, like just, that's what it is. It's banter. It's just, like, um, Hawkeye and Black Widow are talking about, like, oh, are we still friends after this? Can I still go to your kid's birthday party? Like, that's what they're talking about while they're fighting each other. I feel like that's Paul Rudd has the best banter in that scene. Paul Rudd is amazing. Where he, 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 he breaks the shield to Captain America. He goes, I believe this is yours, Captain America. I'm like... What great line reading is no, this? No, low-key Falcon has the best banter in that oh, scene. Oh, yeah. And, and <laughs> Sam Wilson. He's, like, he's pretty good. I really... I hate you. <laughs> so good. I love when Ant-Man is like, it's your conscience. We haven't really spoken much of these things. <laughs> yeah, and like, I know, Anya, you have some reservations about Spider-Man being in this film, but I think his... Like, if you take the... I know, I know, he's like 16 in the film, and he's in this really dangerous situation... But I think that he's holding his own, and I think I really love the moment he has with Captain America, where they're talking about where they're from. And um, It's a good moment, it just doesn't make sense story-wise. Yeah, like, I think that he doesn't need to be in the movie, but I'm so glad he is, because he It just brings... doesn't make sense that Tony would, like, be like, oh, I inadvertently killed a kid at the beginning of the film, and feel really <laughs> awful about that, and then be like, I'm gonna bring a kid into this fight. Yeah, like, that was a lot, but maybe he knew that he could, you know, <clears throat> handle, because he's a super, but it just seems like I don't know, it was a lot of fun, because they referenced, like, Empire... He's like, you know that really old movie, Empire Strikes Back? And everyone's like, Jesus, how old is this kid? And he's <laughs> swinging, him, swinging around Giant Man, like he's an AT-AT. I'm like, this is amazing! This is it's what I'm thing. watching this movie for. So, 
that's that's my one that's my very specific like uh movie thing um the other one is hc talked about supergirl i really liked the supergirl flash crossover episode just i think i think it's the best episode of the season um of season one uh i just i you know it's two puppies just interacting with each other for 45 minutes like it's so pure so great when did uh, that in march in like make okay. march april oh, like for some it, reason I it was last year yeah it was the it was the ep- it was the episode before the last two episodes uh okay. so it was like episode 18 because mm-hmm. it it led right into the myriad uh arc um and so flash comes over to supergirl's earth and they're just having fun and she learns a lot about being a superhero because he's learning it from being a superhero on his earth, and then which he learned it from Oliver Queen. So it's just like this whole like great mentor mentee relationship going on, but they're also friends, and there's so such good banter between them too. It's like it's been a good year for banter, guys, um, and they're just having a lot of fun being superheroes together. Um, so that's that's like my one of my favorite pop culture moments of, of the year. Uh, the next is Stranger Things. Uh, we We've talked about we did a whole episode on it, so we don't have to go much over it again. But I really liked it. It was a lot of fun. The music's great. Um, it's got a great feel. Uh, it's just uh, I, I'm excited for season two. Uh, the next is Lemonade, Beyonce's Lemonade, uh, the short film and the album. Uh, I, I I listened to that album more than probably any other album this year. Uh, and, and when I bought the Amazon album it came with the short film so i've watched that a couple times since it's just so well made so well done i love the arc of the story that she goes through where she talks about the you know the the quote-unquote affair the you know the the faithlessness of her husband and then the forgiveness of that i think a lot of people uh only only focus on the first part of lemonade but the second part is so much more so it's so much more than people give credit to. It's so it's one whole story about coming to terms with uh, the pain that you feel and forgiving and, um, and and like that last song is always so great. Um, and then uh, Zootopia is my last one. We've talked about that. Uh, we talked about it on our animation isn't just for kids episode, uh, and we've talked about it a couple of times. And HC, you brought it up, and uh, or Anya, you brought it up too. It's so good. It's so so clever. I think I talk about Captain America having being the, the most fun I've had in a, in a movie. This is the most fun, the, the the funniest movie I've seen all year. I think it's just joke after joke after joke after joke, and I'm like, this is crazy. But also like racial profiling with that's animals. the thing. Is that it's so funny. It's, it's so funny, and then two thirds in the movie, you're like, holy shit, this just got real. And then so real. It's so real, and like. Out of nowhere, well, not out of nowhere, because it's been throughout the movie, but, like, they really just hit you hard over what's happening, and you're like, oh, my God, this movie couldn't have come at a better time, or, I guess, worse time, a more prescient time, you know? So, I'm really glad that that movie exists, and I'm, I'm happy that I have it on Blu-ray, and I can watch it whenever I want. Um, and just two runners-up, uh, Hunt for the Wilder People was really great. Um, I'm really glad I saw that movie in the in a theater. It was a lot of fun. Um, and then Pokemon Go, which really captured the nation for about a month. <laughs> and we all talked about how it was going to cure world, you know, world, world peace, have world <laughs> peace, and just like people are going to be fit again because they're going to go outside. 
and that lasted until fall <laughs> and then and then no one's really gone outside since um but it was really great for that one moment where every, like every millennial kind of just came together um to talk about pokemon go and it was a, it was a I think it was a great bonding experience in this weird weird year um <laughs> and i'm glad that it exists i think a lot of these things that's what i'm happy for all all the things i just listed i'm just happy they exist and and, and they came at the, in this weird alternate reality that we are living in um and then i'm just really glad that uh that these five five to seven things uh have been a thing i love things that make us happy we needed it this year especially yeah it's very important yeah um it's been a weird year yeah okay i think that's a wrap-up for our Best of 2016, our separate top fives, which ended up not really being top fives for either of us. But you know what? This is our podcast. We can do what we want. Um, So let's move on to the last segment of our episode. I really, 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 really like you. But I need to tell you something. So, Anya, why don't you go first? Okay. This has been a long time coming, guys. Back in February... On FX, The People vs. O.J. Simpson, American Crime Story, aired, and everyone talked about it, and it won all these awards, and I never got around to watching it. I don't know why, I just never got to it, but this week, it finally happened. Oh my god. And everyone was right. Did he do it? (laughs) (laughs) Philippi. Willoughby. That's actually the most painful thing about this whole show is that, like, we all know he did it. And, like, they couldn't prove it beyond reasonable doubt. And, like, now he'll never be convicted of the crime. It's so painful. But this show, God, everyone was so good. Like, my heart is racing in, like, every episode. And, I mean, everyone's already said this before, so I don't need to get into it too much, but, like, it just really blows me away, this whole show. Some of the directing is weird, especially the Ryan Murphy episodes. Because um, he does all those, like, jump cuts and, like, the really fast zoom-ins and stuff. And I'm like, what's happening? Very Ryan Murphy. Um, but as the Emmys showed, like, this show was made by Sarah Paulson, Sterling K. Brown, and Courtney B. Vance. Like, they are out of this world incredible in this show. Um, for me, especially Sarah Paulson and Sterling K. Brown, like, those two make the show for me they are phenomenal um so i'm late to the game but people versus oj simpson is so good and i really loved watching it so anya can i ask how you watched it which medium um so we recorded it on our tv way back in february and we just kept it until i got to it wow okay (laughs) so it's just been sitting on our dvr and now we're finally taking it off yeah, because I, I think it's coming on Netflix in, in 2017, so I was just wondering okay. how you watched it. Yeah, no, we had recorded it, and we just kept it on there until I got to it. I nice. will probably watch it when it comes on in 2017, because I still have not seen it yet, and I've heard it's only so good. good things. And I've also heard OJ Made in America, which is the 30 by 30 documentary, documentary is also one of the best things of the year. So I haven't, I've heard I've, that, too. I haven't seen that either, so. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, Willoughby, why don't you go next? Yes. Okay, so... Apes on horseback, guys. Apes on horseback, in the snow, with guns. The War for the Planet of the Apes trailer came out, and it blew me away. 
And that's the guy saying I that who loved Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, which also blew me away. Rise of the Planet of the Apes is okay. I think it's it's pretty mediocre in comparison to the to Dawn, but Dawn of the Planet of the Apes is so good. And I rewatched it again yesterday. I bought the Blu-ray. It's so beautiful. And the trailer for War of the Planet of the Apes came out, and that's also beautiful. And just the fact that they can do this with the motion capture. The motion capture is incredible. Why they haven't won every Oscar for that yet is beyond me. Why Andy Serkis hasn't won acting awards Andy Serkis for this has been is, robbed. is beyond me. He is so good as Caesar the Ape. It's phenomenal. And I am so excited for this new movie because it looks question. like... yes. I've never seen any of the Planet of the Apes films. They're actually I know. quite good. Um, I know. I have not as well, the Mark away Wahlberg by them, one. But... Just don't watch the Tim oh, Burton yeah. one unless you're drunk. Um, like, that's a bad movie. So, in this new iteration yes. of the movies, and now we have, like, War of the Planet of the Apes. And, like, I watched the trailer and I get it. It's going to be, like, humans versus apes. But are some humans on the ape side? No. Well, there might be one. One or two. So, what happens is that... Uh, the um, in Rise of the Planet of the Apes, James Franco uh, is working on this uh, cure for Alzheimer's that he that he like it's uh, that he puts in the apes to see that if they can uh, get smarter. And yeah. so Caesar is one of those apes. He raises Caesar as as his own son, basically. And then Caesar um, accidentally harms John Lithgow's character, which is James Franco's father. Is put in. Um, a, Wait, don't uh, tell me everything. Oh, I was about to say, I you're summarizing each movie. I know. Like, how long good. will this... I'm sorry, what will it be? Like, no, don't tell me everything. I just, I just wanted to know, because like, I was watching the trailer, and I just wasn't sure it was going to be like all apes versus all humans, or if there was going to be some overlap. There might be some overlap, but it's mostly apes versus humans. Okay. Because the simian flu, which was a thing, destroyed like humans. all the humans, except mm-hmm. for those who were genetically immune to it. Yeah, and like okay. in the last movie, there was some sort of uneasy truce between them, and they thought there could be peace, but then, you know, one human, or one ape was like, killed or something, so it set off a war, essentially. Yeah. There was like a, one tiny thing, and it was a misunderstanding, of course, because nothing can, well, nothing it can made be happy. It, 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 uh, no ape was killed, but it made it look like he was killed, and then there was um, the, a, a usurper, and the apes, okay. and he he led a, a revolt against the humans. Um, so, and this one looks like all at war, all at war. So, all right, I'm so excited. Yeah, and uh, you you can skip to the 2001 Tim Burton film and watch the 1968 Planet of the Apes. The original, of course. Yeah, I mean, I know how it ends, but mm-hmm. yeah, spoiler I've never alert. Seen it. I do want to say, it's... like, the new um, is it Dawn of the Planet? Oh, sorry, I forgot the title. This Which is one? War of the Planet the of the Apes. One? Yeah, War of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, it looks gorgeous. Like that cinematography is. Or War for the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, so. War for the Planet of the Apes. That cinematography you don't see that in movies without um, giant CGI monsters. Um, yeah. So it's it's beautiful. It's wonderfully shot. Yep. Okay, so my really like this week. It's a book I am currently reading. I would have included it in my 2016 uh, wrap-up, but it's from 2015. It's called The Sympathizer by Viet Thanh Nguyen. Um, it's a book about post-Vietnam War, um, a bunch of soldiers from the Vietnamese side who take refuge in America, one of which um, the main character is actually a communist double agent. Um, and it's kind of about him sort of 
grappling with his loyalties and falling in love in America and kind of trying to figure out whether he wants to stay a double agent or whether he wants to like stay in like this new country and like these new loyalties and stuff. And it's beautifully written. Um, it's by a Vietnamese American author. It's the first Vietnamese American author to win a Pulitzer. So it's been passed around in my family a lot. They're really excited. Um, my community is like, is very excited about this, um, that's so exciting. Book. Yeah, and it's I um don't I haven't really heard a lot but like from my family personally about their um their experiences as refugees um after the Vietnam War. I hear like snippets stuff like that from my mom sometimes when she when we have a couple drinks at lunch. But um this was a really wonderful way of me kind of just like learning this experience and seeing reading it and like kind of having that more detailed version of that. And it really kind of just helped me um, understand, like, my family's own personal And it's historical fiction? It's historical fiction. It's a fictional book. Um, But despite that, and despite being from, like, a sort of younger Vietnamese American, it really feels true to that experience. And so it's been, like, really revelatory for me, at least. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. So the oh, now I want to pick it up. Yeah, you should. It's it's short. It's really well written. Um, I completely recommend it. Awesome. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, that is our episode wrapping up the year. Um, you guys should come let us know what your favorite things of the year were, as well as any comments on People versus OJ or the War of the Planet of the Apes trailer or any favorite books you've been reading and if you've read The Sympathizer. And you should come talk with us. And where can they do that, Willoughby? You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter at Falcon Podcast. We have a blog, millennialfalconpodcast.wordpress.com. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play, where you can rate review there. And we're also on SoundCloud. And where can they find you guys? You can find me at Anya Crittenton on Twitter. You can find me at HNBui on Twitter. And you can find me at Willoughby Dobbs on Twitter. All right. All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. And... Thanks for joining us for 2016. Ooh, we'll still be back. We yeah, have we a have review next week. A review of a movie, our millennial movie review next week. Um, and then we're off for Christmas. So please join us then. In the meantime, bye. Bye. bye.